I think. I think it's time. I think it's time. So without further ado, let's, let's start, start the, the show. show. From know-how to wow. The Bosch Global Podcast. So for those of our listeners that are sitting here in the audience, you know that this show is famous for teleporting us to all kinds of different destinations so that we can have different experiences on the show. Like, for, existence, for example, a digital farm, right? Perfect, thank you. Which was actually a really, really good uh, episode. I like that um, one. Yeah, I do too. So farms, we've also had campfire for story time. Digital s'mores. Digital, oh, digital Delicious. s'mores. Um, we've been in cars, we've been in different parts of cars, shrunk to tiny sizes, and we've been on motorcycles live. <laughs> Sound of my heart. <laughs> That's right. I was, I was very jealous that you got to do that, that live experience, and I was stuck in Chicago without you. But today, finally, endlich, for our dear listeners online, we're finally in a physical space. We are today at the Bosch Connected World in Berlin. So welcome, both here and digitally, to the first ever live show. I always get goosebumps. Oh, it sounds so good. I love the sound design. So Bosch Connected World is an annual two-day event where we discuss all things digital transformation and AIoT. Jeff, you've been here yesterday. You've kind of walked through the exhibition hall as well. Is there anything that kind of caught your eye? Something a little bit more interesting? I was, I was super excited to see Nexseed, because you remember we, we did an, an episode. episode. Definitely. So I really liked that. And then also, I didn't know, but there's a booth for CyberCompare, which is a Bosch internal startup, and I actually know the guys that run that. So I'm really excited to see them. But what about you? You've got a little bit of action in, the, in play, don't you? Yeah, I'm, I'm a little bit biased because uh, through my job, I've organized uh, or helped organize with our different uh, business units, the uh, Bosch Mobility Stand in Hall 8. Yep. And uh, so there we cover topics going from automated driving, connectivity, personalization, and also electrified driving. But one of the bigger topics that we, we address at this show is software-defined vehicle. So... I don't want to butcher this because we do have two better people to explain the whole topic, but the general global idea is we install new apps and different functionalities like, I'm really sorry I'm going to butcher this, but on a smartphone. It's all right. But, it makes yeah, sense. Yeah, exactly. exactly. But before it's approachable. We go, it is. It is. But before we get into really the nitty-gritty of this episode, um, some of you know, if you listen to the podcast, that I'm a huge fan of quiz. I always take a few fun facts. I try to challenge Bosch because uh, Bosch. I oh, challenge Jeff. Sorry. Yeah, you do. Because he always says that he's the big Bosch fan. I am. I'm a huge Bosch fan. So you know that. I was hoping this time that we're going to get you to actually fight against Jeff, and we're going to prove to him once and for all that there are bigger fans out there. Um, so I'm going to uh, go with the first question, and audience, you will answer first, and just applaud once I read out the answer. Okay, so first question. Which of the following functions has Bosch already developed? 
Are we going to go for A, pothole detection? Okay. Okay. Or are we going to go with B, routing with, minimal, uh, with a minimal number of left turns? Ooh. Followers. We're kind of tied there. It's a little bit difficult, so I'm not going to be quite sure which way we're going to go. But Jeff, without being influenced by the audience, I think I was just influencing the audience. I think actually, so. I thought the being that was very biased. Nonetheless, I'm solidly going with B. Okay, so we have a B answer for Jeff. I'm still going to take the A answer from the crowd because that seemed like the loudest one. The correct answer is A, pothole detection. So as it stands, audience one, Jeff. Zero. But now, going to the actual meat of our episode. <laughs> I, I, hope, I hope you're not overwowed that I was wrong. I appreciate I that. I am overwowed that you're wrong. <laughs> but, yeah, you're right. Coming back to the topic at hand, software-defined vehicle. What is it? Because we've been hearing about it for some time now. And very clearly, it's a main topic of the show. And it's a main topic running in the industry right now. And you've got the feeling that it's kind of got a lot of momentum and potential behind it. So what does that actually look like? Well, as I already butchered it at the beginning, you know, we said it was a, it was a vehicle that gets updates. Um, it's a vehicle that potentially comes out of the factory either without the software or yep. potentially with outdated software. Um, so, you know, when we're talking about sof uh, uh, getting updates, we're hoping that the vehicle gets better and better over time yeah. and are looking forward to new functionalities. Yes, absolutely. That was my understanding as well. And what I think is uh, probably the most interesting is the potential for personalization, right? Exactly. You know, so far, you know, I can change my settings, but in the future, I can also change the digital offerings that are present in my vehicle, even going so far as to install otherwise before unavailable third-party apps, right? For example. Okay. But I don't want to take away... Yeah, we should probably have some... <laughs> Real people up here, right? I definitely have to. I, we have, so we always have experts as well. And I have two Bosch experts, or I'll correct myself, two ETAS experts. So ETAS is the Bosch subsidiary, subsidiary sorry, for automotive operating systems and software development kits. And so I have one expert who's the software-defined vehicle um, innovation lead architect. And we also have the chief of, uh, technology officer, sorry. So let me, without any further ado, uh, do... Welcome, Christian Heisenberger and Christian Uber. Thank you. Hey there. Hi. Nice to see you, sir. Hello. Nice to is see that you. an award? Did you bring me an award already? <laughs> no. This is a wiper driver. Okay, I'm excited to hear about this. But, but first, um, I, I have to say, so, Christian Heisenberger, you have an awesome name. <laughs> Thanks. But you also have an awesome shirt. Oh, yes. Can, can you please tell for the, the members of the audience online, can you please tell them what your shirt says? Ah, it says, don't follow me. I do stupid things. Because, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's very provocative. Uh -huh. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But I'm an innovation guy. So yep. what I'm doing is failing much more often than we are successful. It's failing fast and learn fast. And this is why we do innovation. And working together with all the guys, you should not follow me on the foot because otherwise you're doing the same mistakes all the things what I am doing. So makes no okay, sense. So okay, follow okay. me, but yeah. with distance. I think we probably need yeah. a, decent, a decent percentage of people following you so that we have continuous innovators, yeah. right? So some, some number of lemmings going off the cliff. Oh, no, there are not lemmings. They are very high, very high um, and experts 
what we have in the innovation yep. sector. So they are pushing it that far away that we have open source, that we have new innovations inside yep. clusters in the car. Great stuff. That's really cool to hear. So one of the things I was wondering is, in, in the development of this uh, whole concept of software-defined vehicles, it's not necessarily all new stuff that's getting developed. No. It's a lot of, you could almost call it re-engineering of existing solutions. At some times, yes. Okay, do you have some, can we have some real-world, maybe tangible examples about this? Yes. So for example, this is a wiper drive, yeah? And for getting that in an innovation way, we need to change this, the things, what is happening in software. We have to adapt to new EE architectures. We have to move software from one part to the other part. Yep. And Wiper is a great example for that, for the windshield. Okay, that's interesting. Yeah. Very cool. So, so how, how would it work in, in the software-defined vehicle context? How does that actually look for a user? Ah, look for a user. For example, you have um, one device yep. and different manufacturers. And every manufacturer needs another specification. Yeah. One, for example, needs about 30 FPS, so wiping. In okay, a so what would, what would 30, what would that kind of sound like, do you think? Slow, yeah. That is very slow. Yeah. That is very slow, and I also hope that that machine doesn't sound like that. And, and no, it is. That doesn't really like, come hey, to no. the Bosch quality. No, standard, no, no. Right? Of okay. Not. This All is right. sounding like nothing. Okay. Perfect. Yeah. Sounding yeah. like nothing. That's bad news for the DJ, but otherwise, ah. it's great. Yeah. Okay. And for example, other manufacturers need a speed of 45. Okay. In the same. And this is exactly the variation what we have. Okay. Yeah. So is that 45? That's double fit. What's that? Can we get a 45? Yeah. More like that. I like it. I like it. It might be a little stressful. Okay. And the thing is, um, for every variant, you need another software. So we need that part with different kind of software on it, and the one with 45 um, um, frequency needs another software. And we have to produce them by themselves. So okay, and so also deliver it. So that, that means we're producing standardized hardware parts the and then building on top of a standardized software to then create the customization for specific yes. manufacturers. But it's happening all here, inside, and you have to exchange the part if you have another specification. Exchange the part? And the software inside. And, and the software inside. And That's this is right. taking a lot of time, yes. And this is where, this is where the, the real impact of software-defined vehicle comes into play. Exactly, yes. So that, that then we're, we're basically putting reuse on top of reuse? Yes, something reuse, like reuse, and also push it anywhere else. And what does that mean in terms of, I know the, the structure of the windshield wiper is probably a little, maybe a little too narrow, but what does that mean in terms of bringing in new functionalities that otherwise weren't, weren't in the original design? Um, it is like that. So if you're starting with that kind of soft, so, software, Yep. You um, first have to standardize the interface on that part. Okay. You, you leave all the safety part on that, yep. and then you extract the parts, what you is comfort, for example, and push it on a vehicle computer or on a zone ECU. So you have to sure. cut it out, define the interface, and move it away. And this is a very big job because it's not standardized at all. So there's Autosar, for example, but if you want to cut it out, it's not that easy because every functionality you have to investigate cut out, specify, and move. And this is a very long job to do. And for every car, every e-architecture, you have to do it again and again and again. 
even in today's model, when you say e-architecture, yes, exactly. already in an electronic yeah. environment. For wow. manufacture, it's maybe from platform to platform, it's okay mm -hmm. to move it. But mm -hmm. from one OEM to the other, no chance. Understood. Yeah. Okay. So what is that, what is that uh, kind of implication does that have for the, the overall lifetime of the vehicle and then the experience that the customer has in maintaining it? You don't get new functionality, not after the, uh, the delivery of the car, because you will not exchange that part if the features is directly implemented inside the, the motor, the motor drive, in the ECU here inside in this black box. It's a small Show one. Them. Yeah, it's a very small one. And you can exchange that not after you have it inside series. Mm -hmm. And with software-defined car or software-defined mm -hmm. vehicle, we can change the software because we bring it out of that device to a bigger device. We have okay. seen it in the, in the keynote of Stefan Hartung from a smaller um, vehicle computer to a bigger machine. Mm -hmm. And this is what is bringing it inside. And you can update, you can allocate, you can bring in new features, you mm -hmm. can have third parties what are also delivering features. That's fascinating. Yeah. So then if we're talking about that in terms of, I guess you would call, almost call that modularity inside the car, what is that then doing for driving the lifetime of the vehicle as a whole? Does that mean we can change out parts more easily or what, what does that yeah, do? Yeah, this brings it? us also to that part. So, um, for example, you have an older car, about five years, something like that, and you need a spare part because you have maybe a Monday product, I would say so. Mm -hmm. Yeah, sometimes it's happening that it's not breaking this part, but the other parts around, and you need to exchange it. Yeah. And then what is happening, you don't have any spare parts on stock. Yeah. You have to go to the uh, trash and, and get I, something out. My, my father has done this, I've watched him. <laughs> I have done it myself as well. Yeah. yeah. And now, if we standardize the parts and we standardize that components and the software on it, we can update it completely. So you can also maybe take the new one because you have other parts on stock more longer because the new model is taking the same part, same part in quotes, but with new software. And you can update this software to your other car. And this brings us really on an efficient way of also on an ecological way. We don't have to, so many... For sure, parts. absolutely. Yeah. There's a huge environmental yeah. impact there. Hopefully. So from the one hand side, we have this, the advances or advantages of all yeah. standardization, which implies a lot of scale, a lot more scale in the manufacturing yes. environment on the one hand side. And then you're also, I mean, I guess effectively you're blowing up the automotive aftermarket as well because it's yes. a lot easier for people to replace components, yeah. just switch it in and out. Or going aftermarket also with the software components. If I need a new feature, performance feature... Back for to the third-party apps. Yeah, maybe in five years we are getting new windshield blades what yeah. have new features. You can also use it with the older one yeah. and update your software and you're getting fast-forward. So you get more things and more performance in your old car aftermarket. That's fantastic. That's really exciting. So now I think, I think we're getting closer to seeing exactly why this is such an important thing for the industry yeah. as a whole. It is. Any last comments before we switch over? Thanks a lot for having me. Thank you very much. Really appreciate it. So before we actually move on to the next part, we still have the audience versus Jeff. Oh, again, um, great. And so I thought it would be maybe an, a small break, lighten things up before we go back into the topic <laughs> of software-defined vehicle. Okay. Um, so time for fun fact number two. So um, again, same system. I'll read out the question. Yeah. And, uh, and you guys just clap with the answer. 
So question number two. What does Bosch already offer to make charging your EVs more fun? Are we talking about A, direct you towards chargers based on your personal preferences? So a coffee shop or in my case, a, motor shop, a motorcycle dealership? Okay, that doesn't seem to be. <laughs> or is it B, color all of the lights in your vehicle depending on the charging status? Amazing. Huh? Yeah, okay. yeah. But you guys are not making uh, this any easier for me. Yeah. I'm not even quite sure what, what we're going to do. This is like a 50-50 even in the audience. But Jeff, without again being influenced? I, I saw my interview partner clapping for B. So I, I'm absolutely <laughs> cheating because I was humiliated the last time. So I'm going with B. Okay. Strong B. Okay. So we're going to go with the correct answer being A, directing you towards <laughs> C. serves you right. Seriously yeah, that's what right. I get. That's what I get. I earned that. So at, because of the fact that the audience was so split, I'm going to give this a, as a tiebreaker between Jeff and the audience, but the audience is still leading, so we do have hope. Perfect. Wow. But going back to our other Christian. So Christian, you are Chief Technical Officer at ETAS. Mm -hmm. And I mean, we were talking about software and we've had concrete examples from Christian. Um, I've always thought there's software everywhere in a vehicle already. So I guess my big question is, what exactly does it mean that the vehicle is now being defined by mm -hmm. software? So you're right. There's already a lot of software in a modern vehicle. So several hundred uh, million lines of code. Um, but there's nevertheless a huge change happening right now. And I think to understand it better, we should look at it from two angles. So one is we should really follow the money. What kind of business <laughs> is happening in the vehicle? What are we paid for and what are we paid for in the future? And the second is the user perspective. So let's start with the money. Um, our traditional business as Bosch has been, um, we get paid for, a, for example, a smart sensor or an ECU, and um, we are paid by piece. Mm -hmm. And um, we, develop, we manufacture it millions of times. And the cheaper this piece is for us, the more money we make. Mm -hmm. So we, we make money if we sell more at lower cost, and we lose money if we don't have our quality under control. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And this is basically the whole framework of building things. So what does it mean for software development? For software development, this means the more stuff we put in the you vehicle. put in there, mm -hmm. and you better at uh, really squeezing it, the more you earn. And that's how it felt somehow uh, to be a software developer in the automotive industry. So there was no <laughs> business case at all to build something with a longer horizon, mm -hmm with updatability in mind, all doesn't matter. You, you, we cannot afford abstractions, they just lower our margins, mm -hmm. just put it all in there. And um, I think a lot of processes and culture have developed around that. And what is changing now from a business perspective is um, compute capacity is not so expensive anymore. Mm -hmm. So you get much more compute capacity per dollar or per euro, and that means, and it's uh, exploding exponentially. So a lot of uh, room that you can fill with software. And, so it's, and even the, um, the real big systems are sometimes even cheaper than the specialized well, little yeah. ones. And so there's a huge room uh, of software um, compute capacity that we can fill with functions. And we can afford a, a lot of uh, more abstractions and it becomes cheaper to say, let's solve that later. Let's build a function um, in a first prototype, good enough, reserve some capacity to develop it over time. And this is what's happening now, and this really fits also user expectations. Users 
I remember how much money I've paid for uh, navigation <laughs> yeah. systems, in infotainment, <laughs> and how old school they looked just two years after buying it for a lot mm. of money. Mm. It was a really terrible user experience compared to a mobile phone. And I don't want that anymore. So I want that, say, that um, a car supplier um, that sells me a car basically keeps it up to date, keeps mm -hmm. it a positive experience that doesn't feel like Stone Age. Um, there are also a new class of uh, functions, like automated driving, mm -hmm. that you cannot even offer without updating it continuously, because we, set, we learn so much new stuff in the world that we need to adapt. And if you don't have your capabilities to continuously adapt software in a safe way on a control, you're not part of the business. Yeah. It's quite interesting. We were talking about the lifetime of a vehicle. It's, mm -hmm. you know, generally nowadays, I'm not, I'm not even sure how old a vehicle is going to become for consumers if we are constantly updating. Everything is constantly new. So that's going to be one of mm -hmm. the questions. But you spoke about it. Consumers, they are concerned about safety. And mm -hmm. when we talk about software, that's one of the main concerns. Mm -hmm. So again, here, how do you make sure that safety is guaranteed within the scope of software-defined vehicle? Yeah, that's uh, really an important uh, issue, especially for us as Bosch. So in a, from a brand perspective, we have always been in the corner, reliable, high quality, a little more expensive maybe than someone else, but mm -hmm. peace of mind just works. And um, I think there is a need for that also with regard to um, software, especially in the context of uh, safety-critical mm -hmm. systems. So we basically, we need both. We need systems that we can rely on moving at, in Germany at least, at 200 kilometers mm -hmm. per hour. This is really a lot of <laughs> kinetic energy that you need to control. Mm -hmm. And um, you don't want a pop-up telling no, you, I need to not. reboot now, there's an update incoming at that speed. And so you need someone who basically understands how this is possible. But what ne really needs to change, and what is really changing right now, also in our company and at, at customers, we cannot continue to use these processes that we build for safety for everything. Like, we cannot afford to do one really uh, deeply analyzed release per yeah. three months. There's too much that needs to happen and uh, go forward in an mm -hmm. iterative way that we can afford to do the whole vehicle in that sense. And this is basically where we put in a lot of work right now. Um, securing the stuff that needs to be secured or uh, make it safe. Yeah. And on the other hand, um, pull these new kinds of um, building software, integrating software, containerization, stuff like that, where it's really much more fun to work, much easier to get something into the car, try it out, and make a fence around it that we say, play, tr innovate, uh, for safety, where have you covered? Okay. So going with your topic, continue to do stupid things, although at jokes aside, <laughs> we, we notice that we still have a lot of work to do. Um, but Jeff and I are huge, huge fans of our Bosch and ETAS engineers, so there we have a lot of hope and are excited to see what comes out of the future. Um, maybe one last question, Christian, because we've been talking about software-defined vehicle like it's a future concept and maybe not quite... Greifbar, uh, as we say in German, so quite touchable. Mm -hmm. um, maybe you can give us an, a, a quick example of what kind of technologies already exist for the automotive industry. So basically, um, imagine it or not, um, it used to be a, a challenge mm -hmm. one or two years ago um, to even update the car. Yes. This stuff <laughs> happened uh, remotely. Stuff happened that um, we couldn't assure that the battery is full, and thus we could not update over the air. And this was the stage of our industry. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot has been happening since then under the hood in, in the cars that you buy and the work we actually do, basically um, 
enabling that from an end-to-end -end perspective. Have safety without compromise, mm -hmm. having the processes, technology in place to do that, uh, build the stuff that you need to operate a fleet, to manage um, basically the, um, all the versions you have in the fields, the combinations that mm -hmm. are acceptable and so on. And the third would be having Linux r run in your car. Mm -hmm. Start to expose APIs to uh, guys like you who start playing with it. I think this must become an integral part of the car experience, as long as it's safe. I think I want to have a car like that, <laughs> that, that I can connect with my home when I arrive and don't have to wait for someone to do the integration for me. I just want to play with it, try what's mm. possible. And I think it's uh, a lot of fun things are still to come. Well, I'm definitely excited. Um, and so thank you very much for all of those insights on uh, how software is becoming, will define more and more our vehicles in the future. Um, so thank you, Christian. You're welcome. Thank you. So, <laughs> I, I love I love those. Thank you so much. And we don't usually get to see. I know those, we don't so get to do it live. Yeah, shimmy. this is fantastic. <laughs> so, Christian and Christian, thank you, thank you very much. A, a bit in the way of wrap up. So, we have an enormous potential for personalization in the vehicle. We have uh, environmental benefits from further reuse of components. We have enormous market benefits by longer lifespans of the cars. And most importantly, I really love this. I'm going to start using it as a hashtag, safety without compromise. This is absolutely critical. I love to see how this is really becoming more and more crystal clear. And I'm sure that our podcast listeners also feel that way. So thank you very much, both of you again. No, thank, thank you. you. So unfortunately, that wraps up our show. Um, thanks, thanks to all of you for joining us here and also online. Um, and... Yeah, I think, so I'm going to quickly announce the winner of the podcast, or uh, of the quiz. Of the podcast. Even though, yeah, sorry. Did the I podcast lose the podcast? Quiz, <laughs> get a little bit mixed up. But even though it was very, very, very tight, I'm proud to say that Jeff has been dethroned and the official Bosch fan club is the audience, hands down. So nice I job, can't guys. wait to have another opportunity to have you maybe or him dethrone you guys, but for now, the audience have won. So thank you very much for, for, for playing the game as well. One, one, one more thing. Folks, our, our customers, our vendors, our divisions have spent an enormous amount of effort bringing you these really amazing booths out at the exposition. Please spend a lot of time with them and please ask them the hard questions that they need to know about. This is really the good stuff. And for our podcast listeners, we know you're out there. We didn't forget about you. We also have a special treat. We're happy to introduce a new series of digital deep dive talks brought to you, of course, by yours truly. Ah. Not quite. It will be presented by me. I, everyone. I am Aya Jeff, the voice clone of Jeff. I will from now on present short special episodes of From Know How to Wow. So you can dive deeper into the topics Shuko and Jeff cover on regular episodes. Was that dong part of the? <laughs> it is so creepy. That was really. To I was see how accurate that voice is. Uh, and 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 truly, I know it's a it's a bit choppy at the moment, but I think it's really fascinating because that voice is not me, and that voice was trained off of only 70 minutes of speech. 
So it's actually kind of impressive. Mm. It, it, we'll use impressive. Impressive yeah. <laughs> that it's already able to do that. So please, really and truly, take a look into these deep dive podcasts so you can actually hear the evolution of this voice, which is totally AI. So I think, I think you guys should enjoy that. And again, as always, subscribe, like, and share. And we look forward to hearing you next time. Exactly. From know-how to wow, the Bosch Global Podcast. <laughs>